Marketing is a process of maintaining relevance in people's lives before they are ready, willing, and able to buy what you are selling or if you are a service to hire you. Meaning you are there when they have the financial means, they trust you, and have an actual demand for your product or service. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. Marketing is a process of maintaining relevance in people's lives before they are ready, willing, and able to buy what you are selling or if you are a service to hire you. Meaning you are there when they have the financial means, they trust you and have an actual demand for your product or service. I heard this definition a couple of years ago on the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast and his guest at that time was Josh Hoffman. This definition really rings true with me because So often, marketing is just viewed as tactics. I'm going to run this ad now. I'm going to post this social media post. It's not a one and done. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's a long game that can have multiple facets. And you need to stay in front of your customers frequently or they forget about you. And they move on to the next thing or the next service that is staying in front of them. I shared that definition in a blog that I wrote a long time ago because, as I've said before, the reason that I'm podcasting is because I was not consistent with my blogging. There's that word again, consistent. You have to consistently stay active and in front of the people that you want to serve those individuals that have a problem that you have the unique ability to solve. It's maintaining a level of relevance to them before they are ready, willing, and able to buy what you are selling. So how do you do that? That's where you have to have a strategy. And you have to have a strategy for the long game. And that might mean that you have strategies that are focused on building your reputation more image-based, keeping you top of mind in a way that maybe isn't about something specific that they need you for right now, but so that they know that you exist. And then more tactical, such as we are having this sale. I have this event that's coming up. You know, a few months ago when I did my why workshop, I talked about that specifically. That was a very specific tactical approach that I took to promote that event, as opposed to my podcast, which is more the long game for you to be aware that I exist, for me to talk about what it is that I do, for you to get to know me. It's about creating an image in your minds about who I am, what I do, why I do it, how I do it. 
So those are two very different things, but there are three words, in my opinion, that you need to keep in mind when you're developing messaging around your imaging and around those specific events or services. Those three words are educate, engage, and empower. And educate is really the core. So I'm not talking about educating like we get in school or like we're all doing right now with our children who are at home and we're trying to become teachers when we are not teachers. I'm talking about reinforcing the basics. The who, what, where, why, and how of the service that you offer or the product that you offer and the way that it connects back to your prospective client. It's those fundamentals. It's the things that hold true about you all the time. In order to be able to really enforce those things, you have to know who you are as a brand and know all of those key elements of your brand to be able to tell that story and lay the foundation of educating your prospective customers or clients about who you are, what you do, why you do it, and how does it influence them or how can it support them. One way of doing that is to sit down and make a list of questions. Questions that you hear your prospective clients asking you, that you see them asking of others that do similar work to you. Create that list. Put it down on paper, in your computer, on a Trello board, wherever it is that you can keep track of things. And start that running dialogue of what does it look like if I need to educate my audiences on what it is that I do and how I do it and why I do it, what does that need to look like? And you're going to do that. You're going to have that going all the time because they're not going to need you just because you place an ad or just because you put a post out on social media or just because you release a podcast or a video. You have to be there for them when they need you, not the other way around. So that's where that consistency comes in. And you need to be considering what is it that you need to educate them on. Now, during this time of, of the pandemic, businesses are having to do a lot of educating on a lot of different things because suddenly they are not allowed to do business in the same way as what they have in the past. Restaurants have not been able to do sit-down meals in their facilities. They've had to educate their clients on how do I order your food now? What opportunities do I have to get it? Can I order it through a delivery service? Do you have your own delivery service? Do you have curbside pickup? How does that work? But in addition to that, they also have the educational component of reassuring their customers that they're taking appropriate safety measures, of what their new hours of operations are, things that are relevant to their business but, but haven't been relevant eight weeks ago. So all of that probably sounds a little bit like the they ask you answer philosophy that I've talked about several times over the course of the last several weeks Marcus Sheridan's strategy that he's developed, because it is very much like that. 
as you're developing your next strategies and your next tactics, ask yourself those questions. How am I educating? Am I educating? And what is it that I need to educate them about? Because once you've educated, then you also have to engage them. You have to engage them in a conversation or engage their interest. They're going to become more engaged when it's relevant to them. When they are at a point of needing the product or service that you're offering. And when that happens, you need to be prepared for that. So that engagement might take on making sure that you have appropriate information on your website that is going to help them take the next step further into the buying cycle for them or into that journey that they're taking with you. Because they're almost to the point of needing you, of making that decision that, yes, I'm ready to hire you as a coach. Yes, I'm ready to buy a wedding dress. Yes, I'm ready to order food from this restaurant because I feel like they have, they're meeting the needs that I, ha- that I need to know right now during the pandemic. You can insert any business opportunity into that. But how are you engaging them? Where are they going to have this conversation with you? Where are they going to seek out the information that they need on how to be able to work with you and answer those questions that they need? So engagement can take on the forms of the mediums in which you use to communicate with them, whether that is through direct mail, through your email list, through your social media channels, through video, podcasting, or even materials that you have on site, posters that you put in your store windows, any way that you can convey that information that needs to be given to them under that umbrella of education is a point in which you are engaging with them. Now, how you engage with them is really directed by you knowing your audience really well and knowing where they go to find information. Maybe your audience is very active on Facebook, so you need to make sure that you're putting that information very prominently on your Facebook pages. Maybe your audience is much more comfortable on Instagram, or they you have a very well-trafficked website. You need to be able to put this information anywhere that they're going to go, but making sure that you're going in places that they frequent. But engagement also means that you're encouraging them to have start up a conversation with you. So you're developing the means for them to reach out to you, whether that is through posting a comment back to, on your social, getting them to call you, or reach out through whatever means that you're giving them. The last part is empower. So you've educated them, you've given them that foundation of what it is that you do, how you do it. You've established that you would be a good resource for them when they need your service. You've started to engage in that in a conversation with them. It might be more one way of a conversation, but because you've got the information out out there for them to look at, it's not really a one-way communication. They're communicating with you. They're just not maybe having a direct dialogue with you yet. So you've engaged them. Now you need to empower them. And empowering them is giving them the tools to reach out and schedule an appointment or make the purchase. 
or calling you for more information because that might be what they need right now too. But you're giving them the ability to know that they're confident and comfortable in the decision that they've made. So if you think about that in terms of writing a social media post, for example, and you look at, you write down, educate, engage, and empower. And what are those three things that you need to do? So what you're, what you're going to look for in terms of educating, the who, what, where, why, when, and how is the basics. These are the things you need to educate them on. You need to write it in a way that's engaging to them. Part of that is knowing who you are as a brand and being able to speak to them in the voice that is going to resonate with them. And then you need to empower them. You need to encourage them to take an action, to pick up the phone, to call you, to send you a message, to hit the purchase button, whatever that is. You need to empower them and make sure that they feel good about it. Because the key thing that you're doing here is you're, you're reinforcing that it's their decision to make and that they're confident that you are the right source for them. All of this leads to building a relationship. Even when you're doing those image style communications or these posts that are more not for a specific event or service, but just making sure that you're staying relevant and keeping them aware of what you do and how you do it, there's still a level of empowerment that comes with that. You always want to give them an opportunity to reach out to you, even if it is just to ask a question. Because every opportunity that you have in front of your prospective client is an opportunity for you to start a dialogue with them. So remember, marketing is a process of maintaining relevance in people's lives before they are ready, willing, and able to buy what you are selling. You are there when they have the financial means, they trust you, and have an actual need for your product or service. Educate, engage, empower. I encourage you to take a look at what you've done in the past. I'm sure that if you look at the things that you feel has worked really well for you, and you look at them through the lens of educate, engage, and power, you will see each of those three things shining through in some way, shape, or form. Education is the backbone. Engagement is the mind. And empowerment brings it all together to take an action or move the body toward the goal. It's all just layering upon that education. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating or a review on your podcast player of choice. And I hope you'll join me on the next episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Our collective lives have changed pretty significantly since March of 2020. Appointments of many types are now being done online. Everything from regular meetings among colleagues to sales meetings to doctor's appointments even sales consults for pools. 
If you want to hear more about that, listen to Marcus Sheridan and Douglas Burdett on the Marketing Book Podcast special episodes called Authors in Quarantine Having Cocktails. During that conversation, Sheridan talks about how his sales staff has seen how much more efficient and equally as effective a sales call is than meeting someone in person. This is something he had wanted to do, wanted his team to start for several years, but they resisted, like we all do when it comes to changing how we do things. But COVID forced them to change. During a training I was on a couple of weeks ago, the trainer talked about how his brother-in-law is an, an executive at a large corporation. Right now, everyone is working from home and the company is not seeing any decrease in productivity. In fact, they are seeing the opposite. Productivity is going up. As a result, this executive thinks that they will never go back to that large office building in the same way as they were before. In fact, he predicts that they will be downsizing the amount of office space that they actually lease. Telehealth services have been available for many years, yet many healthcare providers are just now starting to offer their services this way. After working in healthcare for a long time, I've heard many reasons why. Most of them are our patients want to be seen by a person, not via a computer, and that we cannot provide the same level of service as what we can in person. However, my husband just had a physical therapy appointment via Zoom, and it went really well. Again, COVID has pushed a traditionally slow industry to make changes to their delivery and to do so quickly. Anecdotally, I've heard how surprised providers are at how easily their patients are accepting of this new way of being seen, especially how appreciative the older population is at having this option available. I'm honestly not surprised by this. One of the last big projects with the health system I worked for was the implementation of the patient portal for their electronic health record. We assumed that the early adopters and frequent users of the technology would be young families with children. However, when the usage data started coming in, we were surprised to see that it was actually patients who were over the age of 60, lived a significant distance away from any of the facilities, and had multiple health concerns. The patient portal made it easier for them to communicate with their provider and eliminated the need for multiple trips. It made the patient's life easier. Our assumption was based on those who we thought would embrace the technology. But that was not the problem needing to be solved. Technology was not the solution. The problem was how many times frequent users of the healthcare system needed to be seen which involved a lot of trips and parking headaches and waiting room times. Communicating via the patient portal eliminated a significant portion of some of those trips. And now telehealth is offering the same type of solution. There is a rural clinic near me in Iowa who knew their patient population may not have the technology to uh, take advantage of the telehealth services. So they brought the technology to them in their cars in the parking lot of the clinic. For those patients who needed to be seen and didn't have technology at home, they could drive to the clinic, text when they arrived, and a member of the staff would bring a tablet to them in their car and the appointment would happen there rather than in the clinic building. Just today, I saw that a phlebotomist met a patient curbside, did the finger prick blood draw the patient needed to verify if the blood thinners were working, 
without ever needing to get out of the car. Real estate is still being bought and sold. But how is that possible? In order to know if you want to buy a house, you need to be in the house. That's very true. But now realtors are doing virtual tours, either via video or still photos. Through this, the buyer is able to determine which houses they really want to see and which they don't want to see. Effectively and efficiently narrowing down the number of houses they actually want to look at. I'm guessing that this is a much more efficient way of showing houses for both the realtor and the home buyers and the home sellers because then they only need to leave their house when they have somebody who's truly interested coming to look at it. Look at how many restaurants are now offering delivery and curbside pickup. Delivery services, whether it's from a national program or a locally developed and managed service, are being kept very busy right now. And a lot of those restaurants maybe didn't do delivery or takeout before this. Another big change we're all experiencing is our kids taking classes from home. As parents who are not teachers, me included, we've had to figure out how to be supportive of our younger children and help them figure out how to navigate the online learning. It is a struggle, and I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's been challenging. Will we see more home learning opportunities for our kids once they are able to be back in the schools? A friend of mine who is a teacher has predicted that there will never be another snow or bad weather day again. Why stop learning because of weather? This experience has, so far, proven that children can participate in school from home. Time will tell if the learning ex experience and retention is the same. And now there is a collective groan from all of our kids who hope for the superintendent's call canceling school whenever a blizzard or heavy snow is predicted. As a business, understanding the problems your clients need to solve is critical. The pandemic has forced a number of businesses and services to take a focused look at how they solve the problem and delivery of the solution in a way that meets the standards of keeping everyone healthy. It's changed the context of the problem. And that context is one we need to keep in mind. How many of these adjustments in how we do business will remain once the fear of the COVID-19 virus is lessened? It's hard to predict, but one thing is abundantly clear. Putting your client at the center of how you are offering services is going to be expected at a greater level than ever before. We are changing the way experiences happen with our businesses. How are you going to respond? And how are you going to continue to respond to that increased need and increased desire for a higher level of experience? This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.